Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, tonight, a couple, we're going to talk about something that's, that really affects all of us at one time or another. And um, it, uh, really, the Lord put this on my heart a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, well, I don't know when pastor's going to get done with his. You know, it might be after the first of the year before I get to it. But uh, here we are. And so I believe God's put it on my heart for a reason. And so we just want to get into it. And I just want you to open up your heart tonight and just receive what the Word has got to say, what the Holy Spirit has got to say, what He's got to minister to you along this line. And what I want to talk to you about is discouragement. Discouragement comes to all of us. It is not unique to you. It's not unique to me. It is something that every person who ever lives will face one day. And how we face it, you know, is going to determine the effect it has in our life. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that come, especially, you know, I guess I was thinking about the fact that this time of year, we put ourselves under such tremendous pressure at times to get everything done. I mean, there's decorating and there's cooking and there's present buying and present wrapping and having to go see 14,000 relatives, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we get to a place where the pressure of it leaves us wide open for discouragement to come in. And, you know, sometimes it's just the enemy takes advantage of an opportunity just because you're just tired. Ever been there? You just, you're just tired. I mean, you have, you've worked hard. You've done this. You've done, you've accomplished that. You've got some, you know, there are times when I see what's in front of me and I think, and all the things that I need to do, the things I need to get done. And I've got time deadlines on some things that I've just got to get done. And, and, and I let myself get discouraged over it because I'm just thinking to myself, how? How, how is it all going to get done? I cannot possibly physically do this. You know, we all find ourselves doing that. We always do. And, and it's, discouragement is something that you don't just deal with it just one time. But it's an ongoing thing because it's one of those tactics that the enemy uses in an ongoing way. Today he may not succeed by planting those seeds of discouragement. But, but, but tomorrow, tomorrow night, about 10 o'clock... He might succeed. So he keeps trying. You know, one thing about him, he's persistent. He's persistent. I mean, if you, if you, you know, the old saying is you can't say something good about somebody, don't say anything at all. Well, you know, I guess you want to say something about the devil. He, he is persistent. But see, we have to be more persistent than he is. We have to get to a place where we recognize it, we understand it, we, we deal with it. And uh, he, he wants to use discouragement with each and every one of us, because he wants to steal some things from us. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your hope. You know, sometimes we get discouraged because something we've been believing God for for a long time hasn't showed up yet. And so the enemy, he starts, he starts talking, you know. He just starts talking here. And he's going, that's never going to happen. It's not going to come to pass. You've waited all this time. Nothing's happened. It's not going to happen. You know, you're just going to do da 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 And he goes on and on and on and on and on. You know, if he can steal your hope about that thing, he's going to steal the faith that you've used on that thing. 
What is it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You won't have any faith if you've lost hope that you'll ever see it. Some things don't come overnight. Some things don't come in two weeks. Some things don't even come in two years. But if you believed God when you prayed for that, it's coming. It's coming. You know, you all know these verses. You know, it, uh, let me find it. it says, what's, what, Mark eleven twenty four. we all know that verse. Whatsoever things you desire, when you we'll go over there, you need to read it. I'm not going to just assume. Because you know what? We can, we can look at verses that we're so familiar with and just pass right on over them and not even, not even just stop to pause and, and just let it sink in. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Nowhere in the word of God does it give you a timetable as to when you will see that thing manifested. But you and I understand from a life of faith, from the perspective of faith, that as soon as we pray, as soon as we believe, that's when I take hold of what belongs to me. It may take a while to see it in the flesh, but I tell you, it needs to be as real to us the moment we say, I receive, as the moment that it actually comes into being. You know, Daniel was praying. Over there in the Old Testament, he was praying. And when, and when the angel got there, he said, Daniel, from the first time you prayed, I was sent. From the first moment you prayed, I was sent. The answer is all, was already his. It just took some time to get there. It reminds me of that verse over in Habakkuk where it talks about the vision. You know, and sometimes you need to look at things that you're believing God for like a vision. You know, it says, though it tarries, what, what did it say? What does it say? Uh, Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. That sounds like a bunch of mumbo jumbo at times. But when you believe God for something, it's coming. Don't give hope. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't just, just, just throw up your hands and go, well, I, I, I don't know. I I. I, I don't know what. I don't want to. Then the enemy will start saying, You don't deserve that. You never deserved that. You know, it's too big for your faith. He'll, he'll give you all kinds of reasons why that was never going to happen anyway. Why you shouldn't have ever even tried to believe God for it. See, the enemy can get it just in with a little bitty inkling, a little bitty seed of discouragement. And he can take that thing and he can blow it out of proportion in a flash if you will let him. But, you know, we have to recognize when discouragement comes and immediately begin to deal with that thing. Because left alone, it morphs into something bigger and something bigger, something bigger, something bigger. You go from being a little discouraged, a little down, a little little just, "Ah, I don't know. Do you get into disillusionment? 
And if you're a person of the word, he can take you to a place where that disillusionment will cause you to lose trust in what God's word has said. Cause you to lose trust in the one who had that word written on paper. The one who spoke it. There's many a Christian who have walked away from the things of God because they got discouraged, then they got disillusioned. Because they just didn't see it quick enough. They, were just got, they got tired. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due time, you will reap. You know, well, what's the due time? I have no idea. I have no idea. It's different for different things. In due time, you'll reap. Well, it's, what's God waiting on? Lots of different things. Most of the time, he is moving things around. You know, God is not hampered by time, but he is hampered by time in the dealings of men because it takes some time to move certain things into position for you to be able to receive what you're supposed to receive. But you have to go just back to what the angel told Daniel. From the moment you spoke, from the moment you prayed, I was sent. Your answer was on the way. So, you know, there, are just, there are just things that just have to, be, have to be arranged in a certain way for God to get to you exactly how he wants you to have something. You can settle along the way for something if you want to, but if you're going to have it exactly what God wants you to have, give it a rest. Give it some time. Be patient. Be, isn't that what it says? That, that patience have her perfect work. There is a perfect work that God wants to do in your life if you'll just be patient. Because while you're being patient, your, your faith is growing. You're coming into a place where you're just, you're just more and more sure of the word. You're more and more confident of what you can have, what you will have. Bless God what is mine. And so you, you don't want to go there. You don't want to let yourself get to a place where you're disillusioned. Because listen, he wants your, like I said, he wants your joy. He wants your hope. He wants your faith. He wants your vision. He wants your relationships and your effectiveness as a believer in those relationships to be at an end. He wants to steal all of that. He wants to enslave you to something that most of the time has not got one bit of reality to attached to it. Not one bit of reality. How many kids over the years and growing up have been scared by a shadow? It's not real. It's not real. There's nothing there. I remember the old Tom and Jerry commercial or cartoons, you know, where Tom is scared off because this, this, this shadow, this big monster mouse was there. And it was just a little old mouse positioned in the right place so that his shadow cast a big shadow. And he scared the, the cat away. That's what the devil's doing. He's just a little pipsqueak. Just a little pipsqueak. That's all he is. If you understand who you are in Christ, what you have and what you can do, you have to understand he's just a little pipsqueak trying to make you think he's much bigger than he is. Don't fall for the shadow, folks. Don't run from the shadow. Hallelujah. You know, but... If you take, it, you take this to an extreme, you get a little bit of discouragement. You move into disillusionment. Then you get into a depression. Then you get into an oppression. Listen, you can't take discouragement lightly as though it's no big thing. 
It in and of itself may not be a big thing, but it's the seed of something he wants to turn into something huge. You can't you gotta get the seed out. You gotta stand against that thing and get rid of it. Pluck it out, get it up, you know, mow it down, whatever you gotta do. But you're gonna have to get in there and do something with it. So let me ask you some questions. Where has this thing that's got you discouraged? Where has it come from? What, I mean, I mean what, what is this? You know, let's say, um, oh, gracious. Somebody, somebody got an example of an area you've been discouraged in? Say finances. You know, you, you're discouraged in the area of finances. You know, well, what did God have to say about that? Didn't he say, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory? Doesn't he say that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread? Doesn't he say that he'd, he'd supply everything that you have any need of at any time? That you, you, have, you have access to all the riches of heaven? That he will be there to, to make sure that you're taken care of no matter what? If the birds of the air you know, are, clothed, are, are, are fed and the, and the grass of the field are clothed like this, why would he not take much better care of you? You can go back to so many places. What does God have to say about the situation you're dealing with? You know, instead, we, we tend to turn in a listening ear to the wrong place. And, and, we give, and we give attention to it. Listen, you cannot give attention to that discouragement. What is attention? It's meditating on what the enemy says. It's meditating on what he's got to say instead of what God's got to say. Who's promoting this? Who's behind all this? It's certainly not God. God is the biggest encourager you will ever, ever encounter. He is always there to tell you how precious you are, how valuable you are, how vital you are to his plan and his purpose. He is there to tell you that that he treasures you, that you're the apple of his eye that there is nothing he wouldn't do for you and that he's already demonstrated that there is nothing he wouldn't do for you. He took the most precious thing he had and gave it freely for you. So why are we so concerned about the things on this earth that are temporal, that are going to be of no value and will take no place when we go to heaven? Why are we so concerned about these things? Why do, we, why do we give place to all this stuff? The enemy is just a tool of the enemy. He wants to distract. He wants to get, to get you off course. He wants to convince you that, that God's provision and his power, his ability, his grace, his love, his mercy, that they're not real or they're not enough. When you really boil it down, that's what discouragement's all about, is God is just not big enough for your area for what you're facing, for what you've got to do, for the decisions you've got to make. God's just not enough. Because we rarely turn it to ourselves. When we get discouraged, it's always something else, somebody else. And yet there are times when we, when we, turn, we turn inward on some things. I mean, I, have, I, I can't tell you the numbers of times I have just blown it royally. You know, I, you know... 
in front of lots of people. <laughs> I, I, re- I remember, you know, it wasn't that long ago, you know, in a service with several hundred of people and just, I mean, it, 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 just, it just wasn't God, okay? And uh, I'm, I, I, just, I just wanted to go crawl in a hole somewhere and, you know, pull the dirty and over my head, you know, and go, but you know what? That's, that's just not the way you do it. You just go, okay, I blew it. Let's move on. Let's just move on. I've had this conversation with, with somebody else in the ministry not too long ago, a year or so ago, and, and uh, about how you get in the pulpit and when you get out of the pulpit, you kind of go, that was horrendous. Horrendous. Many times I just want to go home and hide my head and not show up on Sunday. And uh, they said to me, oh, don't worry about it. We've all been there. Just you learn have to learn to leave it in the pulpit. Go home and forget about it. I'm going, oh, that's easy for you to say. But you know what? You know, it happens to everybody. We all make mistakes. We all miss it. But you know what? God's not condemning me over that. God doesn't operate in the realm of condemnation. Now, there are times when he's going to speak to my heart and it doesn't feel so great. But he's speaking the word to me. Because, you know, if you love somebody, you'll speak the truth in love. If you love them enough that you want to see them helped, you will take the risk of them being offended at you and you will go to them and talk to them, you know, preface it by saying, you know, I care about you an awful lot, but, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da. And they give me what the word says, not necessarily their opinion, but they give me what the word says about something, then I've got something to look at. The enemy is always going to be the one who comes at us And when we make a mistake, he's going to be there to just hit you over the head and bludgeon you to death with it if you'll let him. Listen, anytime God ever talks to me about something that I've missed it on, he's always, there's always a hope that's attached to it. This is what you can do next time. This is how you can fix this. This is how you can not do that again. See, that's, that's what God's into. Yeah, I may, and he knows it and I know it. Now, if there's something that I need to repent over, 1 John 1, 9 says that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us for all unrighteousness. Do we believe that or not? Well, if we believe that, then move on from whatever that thing is. Because, you know, there's other places in the Word that uh, it says that, Hebrews ten seventeen says, there your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Psalm 103, 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far your sins are removed from you. So don't beat yourself up over something that God's totally forgotten. Once you say, Lord, I I repent, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, we just have to pick up and go on from here. You know, but we've all missed it. So the best thing I can do is acknowledge where I've made a boo-boo, sometimes small things, sometimes medium things, and sometimes big things. You know, and just say, Lord, I see it. I see what happened. Now I'm just going to go on, and I'm going to do my best not to make that same mistake again. I'm just not. But what are you meditating on? 2 Corinthians, go over there, 10.5. Hallelujah. It says, verse four, let's back up to verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Sometimes we need to pull down some strongholds that we've let build up. 
You know, the devil is not able to, to make a stronghold by himself. He has to have our help. And by the grace of God, we can pull them down without his assistance. And he'll have no say in it. But it goes on in verse 5, it says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Not just a few thoughts. Not just one or two thoughts. Not just selective thoughts. But every thought. Our, our thinking, you know, we have to get to a place where we think like God thinks. Let his thoughts become our thoughts. Let his ways become our ways. You know, and as we do that, the enemy's ability to get into our head gets less and less. Less and less. But that's what the renewing of the mind is all about, is giving him less opportunity to get in there and build a stronghold in our imagination. You know, most, most of the time the battle is won in your, in the, in your mind. Or lost in how you think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we can't let him get the upper hand on those kind of things. You know, the, the enemy, he's, he's just always accusing. Sometimes it's just, you know, just, just a light whisper. And sometimes he's yelling at the top of his lungs. But you know what? You have to deal with each one of them as they come because it's just as important, no matter how his tone is, how loud, how, how, how soft he speaks it, you need to deal with him. You know, come here, Ryan. Now, Ryan, if I came up to you and I just started beating on you, I promise not to hurt you too bad. <laughs> and I just beat on you and I was getting more and more physical. What would you do? No, okay, pretend you don't know me, and I, just, and I just come up, and I just start beating on you. Now, what are you going to do? I'm just doing this. I'm just doing this. Okay, okay. What, would, you take, would you take control of the situation? Okay. I, you, I'm trying to get some reaction out of him. He's just being too, he's being too much of a gentleman. <laughs> Why do we let the devil do that to us? You know, I don't have any right to come up and beat you up, now do I? Well, the devil has no right to come beat you up. So you're going to have to do something about it, which means you're going to have to put up your defenses. You know, my, my, my grandkids all are into this, this choy stuff, and, and Jack is like a second-degree black belt. Now, he's a tall, scrawny kid, but he could take Ryan down in a heartbeat. See, it doesn't matter how big you are, how big you think you are, how small you think you are. If you've been trained the right way, there is nobody who's a match for you. My Jack took down somebody who was like a football player. Just They, were wanted, they wanted to just push him and just kind of see, you know, how, how this works. And, and he could have hurt them. He said, well, I didn't really want to hurt him, so I just kind of did this. But he could have hurt them badly. See, you have my permission, you have God's permission to hurt the devil badly. Don't be nice and gentle. Don't just say, would you please stop? <laughs> please, please stop. Please, please don't hit me anymore. Please don't beat me up anymore. Please don't say those things to me. No, please don't do that. No, you have every right to sock him where it hurts. 
You know, when, when uh, my Steve was young and he had, he has a cousin that's only like nine months older than him. And his cousin would just, was just constantly harassing him. I mean, and he was just, he was really, really mean to him. This was back when they were about, oh, I want to say about six years old, four to somewhere between four and six. I forget now how old he was. And he went to his dad. He was all upset. He couldn't play with his cousin because his cousin was always so mean to him and stuff. And his dad looked at him and he said, son, the next time your cousin does that to you, I want you to haul off and punch him as hard as you can right in the nose. Really? Yes, that's what I want you to do. Don't let him bully you around. Don't let him bully you. And so it wasn't too long. His cousin took the opportunity to try this again. Steve reared back, hauled off, and socked him right in the nose. He never had an issue with his cousin again. <laughs> never. Never. Don't be afraid to suck the devil in the nose. Don't be afraid to, to take out the gun, you know, and shoot him. Whatever you got to do, don't be afraid to do it. Wouldn't it be nice that he won't bother you again on those issues? Now he'll come back and he'll try something else. You use the same tactics that worked the first time. You use them the second time and the third time and the fourth time and however many times it takes. You keep on doing what works. So what works? The word works. You have to put the word on it. You have to speak the word with boldness and with confidence. You have to say it like you mean it. You have to say it because you believe it. You can't just Mickey Mouse around with him because he is out to get you as, as best he can. He's out to, to undermine everything you do. He's out to take your life if he can. He is not looking just to, just to put a bruise on you. He's looking for a, a bigger avenue than that. Don't let him do that. Don't be nice. There are no manners when it comes to the devil. No manners. None. You don't have to be polite. And you don't have to be gentle. And you don't have to say, now, I'm going to count to three. One. You got to stop doing that. One. No. You need to get tough. See, there's a lot of the reason a lot of people have a lot of problems with the devil is because they're never tough with him. They never get in his face and say, I am not putting up with this. I am not going to have this. I am not going to let you push me around anymore. No. You know, you might be a, just a nice, kind, sweet person naturally who doesn't like confrontation, but unless you learn to confront the enemy, you will not succeed to the extent that God wants you to succeed. You have to. You have to be a fighter. But we're, the, the way we fight is not with natural means. It's with the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, glory to God. What are you saying? You know, the thoughts of discouragement come, but do they come out of your mouth? Those things that he's trying to put in your, in your thought life, are you speaking them? Are you saying those things? You know, there are times, obviously, you know, you want somebody to, to be able to get in agreement with you in prayer, and so you want to share, this is what I'm having a problem with, but, but be ready for their encouragement. 
Be ready for them to, to, to put you back on the word. Be ready for them to say, this is what you need to do. Not, yeah, but you don't understand my problem. See, we, I, I've, I've been there. Had that happen for, with other ministers, as a matter of fact, you know, who were telling us the issues they were facing. And we'd say, well, you know what? The word says da-da-da-da-da-da. And they would get mad. You don't understand. What is there not to understand? The enemy's trying to do this to your, in your life, and this is what you have to do to overcome him. What, what's the problem? Yeah, because everybody wants to think my situation is unique. It's not. It's not. There is no unique situation anywhere. They're all the same. You know, everybody has the same kind of problems. They crop up at different times. You know, one person will have a real good, strong ability to deal with this area but be weak in this area. Well, when you know that, then if your strength is over here, then start dealing with the weak area. Start putting the word on. Don't let things come out of your mouth that gives the enemy a platform to work from. The word says, neither give place to the enemy. When you start speaking this over and over and over and over and over again, you're giving him a platform to work from. And we've got to stop that. We've got to be careful about the things we say. You know, if it's not full of the word, then you need to be cautious about putting it out there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, James 1-2 says, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. I'm going to go back to the, to the area of mistakes. And it says, count it all joy when you fall. When you fall. Is there any reason to fall? No, there shouldn't be any reason to fall. Because, let me tell you, if we're walking the way we ought to be walking, and we're all learning this is this is not to put anybody down. It's not to it's not to put to put to put you know any any uh, more pressure on you than the devil's already trying to put on you. But listen, I know that when I make a boo boo, there's one of two places I need to look. I need to look to see whether my, where my word level is. Mm-hmm. In uh, in Psalm one nineteen one hundred five, it says, "Your word is a lamp unto my feet." and a light into my path. When the word is resonant on the inside of me, where, it's, where it's, it's there, it's stable, it's steady, it's the foundation of my life, then it always shines the light on the steps I'm about to take. Always. Always. It'll always be there. You know, and if, and if I fall into something, it's because I'm not shining the light, folks. You ever been outside where you think, okay, I know where I'm going. I remember the famous story about PG when he was here late one night by himself and somebody drove up and, and he was sure he knew where he was going and what was ahead of him so he didn't turn the lights on and he ran smack into the corner of a door frame and split his forehead wide open. See, don't ever assume without the word, without the light of the word that you know where you're going because you're going to split your head open. You know, we get a little cocky sometimes. I've been in this faith stuff for how many years? Oh, this many years. Well, I, I'm sure, I, sure, I, I know all this. And we don't turn the light of the word on. And so we run right into something that we should never have run into. Never have run into. 
because the word wasn't applied to it. The light wasn't on, folks. And then the other reason why I can tell you that there are times when I miss it is because I wasn't listening on the inside of here. Later, I look back and go, oh, yeah, all right, yeah. Sometimes I know I'm not, I'm not listening. I am absolutely just too stubborn to do what I know to do. Now, am I speaking just for myself? I don't think so. But John 16, 13 says, the spirit of truth will guide you when I don't know which way to go. Though I know what the word says, but, but it doesn't give me the specific direction I need. I mean, the word's not going to come in and say, you need to turn down 441 today instead of down 27. You know, but the spirit of truth will guide me. That might be real simplistic, you know, in its application. But we find ourselves in situations all the time. You know, where we don't know exactly which way to go. The spirit of truth, listening to the one that's on the inside, will lead us and guide us the right way all the time. But you know what? Again, when I've blown it, I just go back to the Lord and say, I'm sorry. He says, no problem. We got you covered. The blood of Jesus got it all covered. Now, let's go on from here. Don't ever let the devil take you to a place where he's just knocking you over the head with condemnation all the time. God always gives you answers. He always gives you hope. He always says, that's okay. I love you anyway. Let's go on together. Hallelujah. You know, over in, in, uh, in the Old Testament, David is a good example, you know, of when he... There were situations that were going on in his life, and he just got so discouraged. And I love the, the, the imagery that, that comes out of Psalm 137, too. It says, we hanged our harps upon the willows. says to me, they gave up. If you've ever made a mistake, don't give up. Whether it's small, whether it's big, whether it's huge, If you made a mistake, that's okay. There's a path out of this. Don't give up. Don't give the devil the satisfaction of thinking he accomplished his task. Don't give up. Get up and get going again. Would a baby ever learn to walk if after he fell down two or three times, he just sat there and said, well, that's it. I'm never going to walk. Never going to walk. No. They get up and go at it again. Thomas Edison went through, what, over a thousand failures, a thousand failed experiments before he finally got a light bulb to work. What if he had quit at 998? We wouldn't have lights today, at least not from Thomas Edison. Don't give up. Just because you've blown it once, Twice, a dozen times, a hundred times, don't give up. Don't get discouraged just because you blew it again. Everybody's going to blow it again, okay? Everybody. In one way or another, in one situation or another, they're going to blow it again. Don't give up. Don't let failure define your life. Because failure, all it does is keep you looking backwards, you can't look forwards if you're constantly looking behind you at what you could, what you could have had, what you could have done, what you, what you should have done, you know, how you failed, you know, what the result. Don't do that. Doesn't Hebrews say, looking unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith. It's important where your eyes are set. Over in Psalms, it says, Looking, look, lift up your eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. Too often we find ourselves in a place of discouragement. And, I, you know, you can generally tell when somebody's discouraged, they just kind of go around. Lift your eyes. Look up. Your help is, comes from above. You're never going to find that help if you're looking down. Because all you're going to see down here is wasteland. You're going to see how it all just fell apart. You know, you're going to inspect that thing and how it, how it used to fit together and what it could have done and what it could have done. Look up here. He's got something more. He's got something better. If this didn't work for you, for whatever reason, for the failure of your part or from somebody else's part or whatever, he's got something better in store for you. Listen, there's, there's not just one plan. There's not just two plans. God goes for me. If plan A didn't work, we go to plan B. And he goes, plan B doesn't work, we go to plan C. Plan C didn't work, we go to plan D. He doesn't run out of opportunities to make it good. There's always another plan. There's always another way. I like to think sometimes that God, you know, we, we put ourselves out there and God knows the way to, to detour around all that mess. He knows how to get, get, get us back around to where we need to go and put us back on the right path. Do not let the enemy speak discouragement in your ear. Literally, physically, spiritually. You tell him where he can take it. You just tell him what he needs to do with it. You tell him what the word says about it. You tell him how much the Father God loves you. You tell him how much the Father God loves you so much that he's got the vast resources of heaven to back up anything the devil takes away he can restore. You tell him that there is no plan that God can't restore in your life. There's no dream. There's no vision. There's nothing that God can't restore. But you will have to keep yourself off the road to discouragement to be able to get on the right road where he wants to take you. Because the path he wants to take us all down is one full of provision. It's one full of blessing. It's one full of contentment. It's one full of joy. If the devil can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. And one of the very first things he steals when he comes with discouragement is your joy. I see people walk in. I see the look on that face. And I know the enemy's been talking. And what tells me when I see that look on that face, not only has the devil been talking, but somebody's been listening. <laughs> you can't let him have your joy. You can't let him. No, over in, um, let's see. Um, let me find it. I wrote it down. Ah, Psalm 126.1. It says, we'll go over there. Psalm 126.1. Here's a good exercise for you. You're going to have to be proactive when the enemy comes with discouragement. Whether you feel like it or not, it has nothing to do with your feelings and how you react to this. Because the enemy wants to get you involved and caught up in your feelings. And whether you feel good or not about something, you're going to have to do something. 
It says in Psalm 126, one says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the heathen, The Lord has done great things for them. Listen, God wants to turn your captivity, but he needs your help to turn it. He needs your agreement. He needs your unity with him and what the word says. He will turn it, but you're going to have to help do the turning. He will turn it, but you're going to have to do, you're going to have to do something here. You're going to have to put the word to work. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. You know, you may not feel like laughing. Laugh anyway. You may not feel like singing, but I'm telling you what, start singing. You know, you can take one little chorus and you can sing it over and over and over and over and over. And I'm telling you what, at some point you're going to hit a gusher. At some point you're going to tap in to what God's got for you. You're going to tap into the truth of what his word is and the joy of what his salvation is in your life. And you're going to hit that thing and you're going to be gone. You know, if nothing else, at least talk about how good God's been to you. We focus on the wrong things when there's so little of it. And we forget about all the wonderful things God has done in our lives. How he's restored us. He's blessed us. He's blessed our families and blessed our marriages and blessed our kids. And, and, and brought me out of, out of a place of sickness. Or, or he rescued me from a financial you know, hardship. We forget those things when the enemy comes with those little words of discouragement. What God has done once, he'll do again. He is, he is a good repeater. Hallelujah. That's what he wants. The word says over in John that your joy no man takes from you. You willingly lay it down. You willingly lay it down. No one can take that from you unless you let them. Unless you let them come up and just steal it. But you know what? You need to determine that. You know, we're coming into some times where you really do need to understand how to fight this enemy. You look at it on the surface and you think, that's not such a big deal. Yes, it is. Yes, it's a bigger, it's a bigger deal than you think. But I'm telling you, we don't have to give in to discouragement one iota. Not one. For any reason. Whether it's just the pressure of a job, whether it's the pressure of relationships, whether it's the pressure of finances, whether it's the pressure of, of health in your body, don't give in to discouragement. The word is full of what you need to overcome that discouragement. But you're going to have to put that into play for it to work. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.